everybody. Welcome back to Beats, Rye, and Types. This is episode something. We <laughs> I've lost count at this point. We're just listening to a new track by a band, Ceremony, who are out of California and Philadelphia. My friend Andy is a guitarist in the band, and they they just signed to Matador. Uh, they were kind of doing more hardcore punk before, but this latest album is sort of somewhere in between proto and post-punk and doing something that sounds a little bit like The Wire and Joy Division and a couple other bands, but this track, Your Life in France, has been on constant rotation since uh, since they released a single, so definitely check it out. We were uh, thinking about what to talk about today. The phrase yak shave came to mind, and it's a phrase that has often been associated with myself and maybe MRB too. But we're trying to think about what to talk about in, in regards to yak shave. So we have a couple of different ideas. One, how to shave a yak. How much how much hair should you shave off a yak? Um, but in general, the idea behind the yak shave and, and why it's such a common phrase and topic that comes up when we're talking about programming. For people who have never heard the term yak shave, the idea is is that in order to shave a yak, you have to get you have to get some other things together to shave the yak, and then you keep shaving, and the hair keeps seeming to grow back faster than you're shaving. I think that's the general idea. I've never actually <laughs> shaved a yak, so I don't I don't really know. But the general idea is when you're going down a, a programming quest, often the further you go down, the further the hole gets, the further the actual goal that you are actually trying to achieve gets you. But I think people talk about, when they talk about successful yak shaves, they're talking about something where you uh, have worked really hard and had this kind of vision of what this thing should be at the final end of this thing, and you've taken a long time to take a lot of small, seemingly meaningless steps that seem to never end up to the conclusion, but eventually they finally all wrap up and you get this wonderful bear yak at the end i guess is the how the analogy goes yes oh i i think about it like it's you know you have some large goal that you're working toward and then in the intermediate time between when you start and when you finish you come across these you know things that seem small at first that you decide you have to do in order to accomplish this larger goal. But those smaller things like take on a life of their own and then become like their own projects. I like the the more recently introduced to me term for this is like there's yak shaving and then there's yak stacks. <laughs> like like you're three or four levels deep in the yak in the yak stack because you know it's a kind of a recursive data structure where you start out you're doing something then you move on to this yak shave but to complete that yak shave you have to do another yak shave and then you might have to like then you might pop up a couple levels and you might spawn a couple more levels and pop up a couple back you know so it it it, it I think the thing about it, for whatever reason, I mean, obviously, yak shave is like a evocative phrase, so people are going to, you know, it, it sticks for that reason. But I think the reason people find it a useful thing to talk about it is because it is somehow uh, accurately captures a lot of the kinds of work that you end up doing when you're solving large, like, systems problems. Or even, 
I don't know. It's interesting. It's sort of fractal in nature, right? Like it. So, so let's walk. Through, what, what's a good example? Like, all right. Let's say I wanted to do something that should be relatively simple by now in 2015, but totally isn't. Like, all right, I'm gonna make a new website for something, right? And I'm just gonna like, you know, make a fucking website. Get some files in there and like, you know, I might probably have like a form that says, what is your name and something like that. <laughs> some, some bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. What should I use? Okay, I'll use this. Okay, I'm going to use this framework. So I go and I like, I go to like use it, but then I have to install like the package manager for something or update a package manager. And then when I get the project, I have to install the dependencies and maybe the dependencies don't install correctly because my layout in my hard drive isn't like a good layout for this kind of thing. So I go, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just going to like, start reorganizing my folders inside my hard drive and make it look, you know, like it should be, make it copacetic for this project development. And then, you know, that turns into like, and then in doing that, like I break something else and then I'm like, oh man, that's broken. And then you notice like four more broken things and you start fixing those things and then you forget like what you were doing and you're... <laughs> And your four hours of like playtime are up and you could have been like just making a website. But... <laughs> so things end up happening that way a lot. Like you end up kind of having to shave yaks. So I guess that's one side of it. Like, you know, that there's those yak shaves in pursuit of something like that. And then there's the other ones where you kind of have to do it. You know, you know, you don't really have a choice. Well, there's there's that that phrase that kept keeps coming up in the world of closure, like complexing, right? <laughs> and I think we're we live in a world where a lot of people think that you can simplify things by complexing them, right? Like by simple by trying to like like make a website. I'm gonna make this static site builder, and this static site builder has you know 15 different dependencies and. Oh, also, not just the actual dependencies, but you have to have Ruby gems and uh, GCC compiler installed on your system and all these things that, you know, we kind of take for granted. But by making things simple for the most complex user, we often forget that it actually, you know, probably makes things a lot, a lot more complicated for the entry level person or just someone who's just trying to do something for the first time. And that's, I think, where a lot of yak shaves start is this idea that we've tried to shave off milliseconds of our of efficiency by creating these tools to help us do things. But actually, like trying to just set up those tools for the first time ends up taking a lot of extra effort. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's like we have this tolerance for yak shaving or maybe even we end up embracing it and then that ends up influencing you know it ends up influencing the amount of rigor that we apply when we actually like sit down to design things right like we kind of are so used to just having to like you know push this aside and push that aside and do this little thing and that little thing that we kind of have lost focus on when we're designing these tools that like the user experience around them, you shouldn't have to do all of that stuff, right? That's a very, it's a very challenging problem, of course, right? But I think that there's some, there's some people that are working on interesting, interesting projects that try to solve some of those problems, I guess. But yeah, that's the dark side of the, the dark side of the yak shave. <laughs> 
I get involved in yak. I was thinking about this when we were talking about it, that I get involved in yak cheese a lot. We've no, I don't know if we've ever talked on on the podcast about MBTI or Myers Briggs types, but I was introduced to Myers Briggs types a long time ago. But then they came back up when I was a a manager, and we did a bunch of Myers Briggs testing at Paperless Post. The bottom line with Myers Briggs is that you get kind of a personality type that is a four letter phrase that defines like it doesn't define who you are at all and it's not the important things to remember is that not one is not better than another one but it helped a lot when i was doing managing because by defining how different people think about problems and how different people who think about problems differently can relate to each other and communicate about those problems knowing that they have differences in how they communicate is a powerful tool. So I'm an ENTJ and ENTJs, when I read like the description of my type, I was like, oh, oh shit, this is like describes me exactly. Worse than a horoscope, it was like exact things that this is what I do. And one of those things is that I, I tend to like be able to see the vision of like this far future solution to a problem, but I have a hard time describing to other people what the steps to get there are. So, and that is like the perfect setup for a yak shave where it's like, I know that we can get to this final goal and I'll tell you, this is where we want to go. And I can, in my head, kind of see all the steps to get there, but I have a really hard time delegating those steps to people. So what ends up happening is, I'm like, we're going to get to this place eventually. And I tell someone we're going to do this. And then the steps to get to that place end up being like this four year long yak shave to get to, to the final goal. But I, I think the, the bottom line is like, you know, sticking to the guns and trying to get there is, is, is actually possible. Yak shaves don't always have to be this thing where eventually you're just covered in a, a pile of hair and there's no, no, no vision out. There is a way. I, I agree. I mean, of course, it's a method that people use to get a lot of things done, but does it... We didn't come up with this question before the show or anything like that, but I think it's an interesting one that we kind of stumbled upon, which is like, if you're doing a bunch of yak shaving to get a big job done, does it just suggest that you haven't like put enough effort into planning and or designing the system that you're either building or changing or fixing? Like, is it indicative of an approach or is it inevitable to the the process that we have like in place for how we write software and how we interact with technology and that kind of stuff what's your take on that well i'll say there's there's a difference between a tangent and a yak shave i mean they're they're related when people go on kind of tangents to solve a ancillary problem to the problem that the, the core problem that they're trying to solve sometimes that can be part of this greater goal and doing it in a careful way can be a crucial step to getting to the to the ultimate but i think that there's definitely a lack of planning causes more tangents but it doesn't necessarily mean that that planning will eliminate all yak shaves if that's if that makes sense like you can you can plan really carefully and make sure that you have limits on the amount of time you're willing to spend to do kind of the pre-work to build up to whatever the goal is that you're getting to but that's not going to eliminate the fact that there's always dragons at the end of every every tunnel that you want to go down because that's just i think part of the nature of software development is that it is just super complicated and it's super interdependent on all these things that we just kind of ignore until we hit them 
resource limits, operating system limits, whatever it is, like, you know, those are the types of things that, you know, you can't often plan around when you're just thinking through a problem. It's often you have to get, you have to hit a wall and then step back and figure out, okay, now what do I do and where do I turn? So there's an inherent amount of yak shaving that's involved in all software development, but then there is an amount of it that you end up doing that could be related to a lack of planning or structure to how you're approaching a problem. The reason that people talk so much about yak shaving in programming is because it, it's something that everyone deals with. Regardless of your, if you're an expert planner or you're doing the smallest project, it's something that everyone deals with because, yeah, it is just inherent in the fact that we're working with really, really complex tools that no single human being can keep all of that information of how all of these things work in their head. And I think that that in and of itself means that at some point you're going to have to step outside of what you know and discover something new. And that usually leads into some kind of yak shave, I would say, to solve to solve that problem. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, I think that's what makes it such a... Poignant isn't the right word, but such a it res, it resonate it resonates with a lot of uh, developers and so, you know people that are involved in the software process, people that project managers and QA engineers and software engineers and managers. Everyone kind of knows um, you know about this idea and it because it's a it is it is really pervasive to how software actually ends up getting written. One of the one of the big disconnects that often happens between like the project or product side and the dev side is sometimes a lack of understanding that that this kind of exploratory approach is just inherent to programming, you know, and when you're dealing with product people or, you know, business, the suits who uh, who want to say, oh, this is our project how long is it going to take? And you say, well, it depends, you know, and get those looks that everyone has gotten at least once in their career. You know, it's because people, people haven't, haven't done a lot of development or done this type of work. Don't understand that the line between point A and point B is, is never a straight line. It's a very squiggly line or an up and down line or some kind of like, sometimes it can be even like a, like a helix, you know, like a, like a crazy round and round until, until you get to the end. That difference of perspective on how, how problems get solved is why estimating is usually so hard and why agile is probably a popular approach when it comes to computer science. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because it's really this, it's a chicken and the egg problem, you know, where between software and people where externally, like you said, to participating in the process of software creation in some commercial capacity yourself, you don't really have an opportunity to have insight into the fact that like programs are things people built, but they run on machines and people operate them and people configure them and people interact with them. And so thinking about it uh, in, in some way where it should be easier to understand or easier to estimate or easier to like operate because it's like this automated thing is like just this cruel, uh, you know, fallacy that we have to that we have to live with until it becomes like a wider known thing. But I mean, it also raises other interesting questions regarding like, you know, is is it our job as as computologists to you and you kind of hinted at this before. 
Is it our job to make to simplify that or make that a better story? Like, is it a matter of writing some software? Like, I mean, this sounds like a, how could you really solve this problem with more software? But could you have a programming language or a platform or something that at least minimized these kinds of problems? You know. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see something like that happening anytime soon. But that is that is that I don't know. To me, that kind of seems like that's one of the goals that people have when they're trying to come up with new platforms and new new languages. They think things are going to be simpler, like radically radically simpler. But you're still just this like seed in this like whole garden of crazy, you know, rhizomes or whatever they are, right? <laughs> I think it's definitely a, a worthwhile thing to work toward and think about. And I enjoy certainly thinking about those things and certain types of like structured programming that I've studied. I've studied toward the end of like, you know, for in composition in larger systems, is it possible to create programs that are simpler to operate and understand by virtue of some property of how they were written or created, right? Like, you know, a strongly typed programming language, for example, does it actually give you some, does it give you some guarantees, you know, not necessarily during the process of creating it, but once you have like a medium to large sized project written in that kind of language, does change actually propagate in a way that's a lot easier to understand and you know is the compiler really a valuable tool in helping you not screw up when you're like trying to change some property of the system and those kinds of questions i think are interesting and i i want my point in that yak shave that i just went down is like to is like what's (laughs) the i think that that is a goal that a lot of people Think, aspire to like they want to make these kinds of things simpler to do and they want people to have to yak shave less when they're pursuing writing something with their software I, I i agree totally that that's that's a goal but i think the state of current tooling and state of the the ideas behind it are definitely moving forward and i i, I think there's a lot of great ideas around programming languages and my kind of feeling right now is that there's there's two different sets of programmers and there's two different sets of tools that are geared towards each type and there's like the creator versus the maintainer and there's I don't I, I feel like I I haven't seen someone or some platform try to bridge the gap really between the two I feel like there's been programming languages that are really geared towards maintainers and really geared towards um, people who want to care about the maintainability and the how easy it's going to be to change this program going forward. And then there's frameworks and languages geared towards creators, which are, like you said, this is simple. This is going to be really easy for you to do build your website or really easy for you to, you know, put that bullshit form on a page, you know, or whatever it is. But in the end of the day, those are often the things that get the hardest to maintain. The simplicity often ends up hurting the maintainability in the long run because it, like we were talking about in the magic episode, it kind of hides a lot of that things that you actually care about when you're a maintainer behind this layer of whatever it is, abstraction or just complete, you know, metaprogramming that you don't even ever have to worry about what a database is, you know? But often those are the things that once you get into it and you're two years in, those are the pro- those are another source of giant yak shaves, you know, like 
but I would love to see, you know, I think, I think Go and uh, Swift actually are two interesting languages that are, you know, both strongly typed and both trying to figure out in a lot of ways how to bridge the gap between fast creation and maintainability. I mean, it remains to be seen if uh, the latter promise is true, considering that there really aren't, obviously there aren't Swift programs that are older than a year and a half or whatever, and there aren't Go programs or, or older than a couple years. So it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of years what happens. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's this uh, interesting thing about the interface between the hardware and the software that things are still evolving rapidly enough where it just becomes hard to, you know, keep things simple. We do kind of yearn for the simplicity of, of, you know, other other older platforms, it's easy to romanticize, like, you know, being able to keep an entire program in your head, but it's also really nice to be able to do things that are really complicated and have access to that world if you're willing to put up with, which is, what is admittedly like, you know, way too much pain. Like people, <laughs> it should be a less painful process. So, how do we teach uh, young yak shavers how to yak shave properly? Like, what do you what do you do if you find yourself like you know you you've got the shears in your hand and fur is <laughs> fur is flying fur is flying everywhere, and then you're like you pause for a moment, you catch your reflection in the shears of the of the <laughs> that you're using to shave the yak. And you and you think to yourself, oh, is this? Should I be doing this? Like, how do you know if you should be doing it or not? What 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 advice? What advice to young programmers do you have? It's a. Per, I think it's definitely a like. There's a personal threshold that you have to gain over time of knowing when you're crossing the line into into going too deep. It's not that different from like learning how to hold your liquor. <laughs> would say like you got to learn your limits and know what you're able to do and how far you're able to go before you get too far off the deep end and that's something that is definitely comes with maturity (laughs) though i know some programmers who have been programming for a very long time who still do not have a good threshold on this um and still will go off for days or weeks on some wild ride but i think i think it's about knowing what your goal is and making the individual goals really clear. Like once you're down, once you're realizing that I have to get, do these 20 little things that each might have 20 little things within them to get to this final goal. It's just knowing that, you know, each step has to have some limit on it and can't be perfect because we are reaching for this final goal. Like it's not, it's a maturity around not only a threshold, but like, your own personal aesthetic and knowing that I'm willing to sacrifice some code beauty often or put a hack in here for now just so that I can move on to the next step and know that I'll I'll have to come back at some point. But sometimes you have to do that in order to just move forward. It's just how it works. What about you? It's tough because there's a certain amount of like, I might call it perverse pleasure in in the yak shave, right? Like there's this kind of, I would draw an analogy to ceramics, right? Because that's like a thing I'm spending a lot of my time doing is like, when you sit down to learn how to do wheel pottery, uh, you have to prepare clay in order to be able to throw it on the wheel. And whenever you sit down on the wheel, you sit down with like six or seven chunks of clay, right? Because you're going to destroy some. One, you might actually pull the form you're looking for, but it won't be good enough. Maybe out of seven, you'll get two that are 
like good and worth you know firing and glazing and firing again and all that kind of stuff right and all the potential problems that might come up in the in in the interim right you're kind of expected to like do extra wasted work in order to be able to learn how to like do it properly there's kind of a qualitative aspect of wasting time in doing these trivial programming tasks that like it's hard to identify it and if you haven't experienced it enough because i think like kind of what you were saying is like it's very context specific right you're gonna i would say you're gonna shave some yaks right like we both agreed it's kind of inherent to the system that they're inheriting uh as people that are starting to program today you're going to do it so not every time you do it will it be unnecessary. Sometimes it will be necessary. So maybe the best advice is to ask yourself that question as often as you can, right? Like rem try to be self-aware about yak shaving because that's actually the hardest thing. If you're a manager or you're on a team or you're an open source uh, maintainer and you're part of a community, like sometimes people don't want to admit that they're just kind of pursuing something that's kind of useless and not really toward that like end that they really think that they're achieving. And that lack of self-awareness, I think, is the most damaging component. Uh, that might be where a lot of the dark side of, yeah, of uh, the yak shave that we were talking about before comes from. So I would say be self-aware about yak shaving. You're going to do it sometimes. Be reflective. Yeah, I would say self-awareness is a topic that comes up a lot in in uh, my thinking and conversations with a lot of other managers and people who in, in technology because it's something that as people who work on computers and work with other people and are staring at this you know, machine all day, sometimes it's really hard to be aware of what you yourself are doing because you're just in this mode of doing regardless. If, if you want to learn one thing about how to be a mature programmer who's growing and learning a lot, it's being self-aware and knowing you're, knowing when you're going down a path that probably isn't the best one. Basically just knowing what you're doing when you're doing it and being aware that you know, your actions are affecting yourself and other people. I agree. Like there's, you're gonna, you're gonna shave some yaks and it's going to be fun. The best way to do it in my opinion is like, yeah, to just figure out what that end goal is and break this giant yak up into a yak stack before you, before you dive in. I would say. <laughs> nice. Nice. Thanks everybody for listening. We have some awesome guests coming up, which we're very, very excited about. Uh, we're doing a lot of recording in the next couple of weeks and we uh, hope to hear more of your feedback. We really appreciate it. Yeah, tell your friends. Uh, we'd love to hear from people. Let us know what you think about the shows. And, you know, don't forget to brush the yak hair off your pants before you walk out the office <laughs> door on your way home. <laughs> See you later, everyone. Peace. You sat down on the patio, watched the cars go by, heard the slash from Icarus. <laughs>